Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, the philosophy of Ludwig Wittgenstein. One of the 20th century's most influential, controversial, and quotable philosophers. Whereon one cannot speak, thereon one must be silent. Philosophical problems arise from language gone on holiday. The world is the totality of facts, not of things. The limits of my language are the limits of the world. To understand the history of modern philosophy, one needs to understand Wittgenstein's influence. The Tractatus on the Logical Positivists and his second book, The Philosophical Investigations on Ordinary Language Philosophy. So Wittgenstein was neither a positivist nor an ordinary language philosopher himself. To learn more about Wittgenstein, his impact on modern thinking, and why it's so important in the 21st century, we'll be joined by Juliet Floyd from Boston University. When Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, local and innovative public radio for San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the lovely Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought, we migrate to this oasis of the air and via our uh, our blog to the internet, our blog, uh, Philosophy Talk, the blog, (laughs) where I've already weighed in on our topic today. The topic is Wittgenstein, one of the great philosophies of the 20th century. Now, John, I know you were raised at Cornell by a bunch of Wittgensteinians. Isn't that right? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, When I was at uh, Cornell, uh, two of Wittgenstein's students, Max Black and Norman Malcolm, were the big guns there. It was a very Wittgensteinian place. So you imbibed a lot of Wittgenstein. What do you you think about Wittgenstein? Well, I divide Wittgenstein's uh, philosophy and his influence into the good, the not-so-good, and the ugly. (laughs) I kind of like that. The good, the not-so-good, and the ugly. Uh, Tell me about the good. What do you think? What's the good? Well, I, I like a lot of his first book, The Tractatus, starts with the observation that the world is a totality of facts, not of things. I think that's a very deep insight. You can list all the things in the world, Ken Taylor, John Perry, Juliet Floyd, and and you you won't have the world. Right, you need you, to say what what they are what they're like and what they're doing. Right. Ken Taylor is drinking water or something yeah, like that. Right. That, 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 that true words were never spoken. That's good. Simple idea, but one that I think has profound consequences. And later uh, I mean, I tend to like his philosophy of language. I don't think he gave up a lot of the tenets of, of, of the Tractatus in the investigations. I think he deepened them with this concept of a language game, the idea that to understand a word like slab, for instance, it's not enough to know that it stands for a certain kind of building block. You have to see how it works in the give and take of life as as expressed in language. And to do that, you strip down a language game to its essentials. I think that's a great idea. Right. I try to use it in my work. Well, language as action. I mean, that's the thing, right? Language is concrete doing. I mean, and it's the use of language to do things and accomplish things that really matters. Okay, that's some of the good. What about the... Not so good, as far as you're concerned. Wittgenstein's philosophy of mind, I think, is a mixture of insight and and shortcoming. He had this idea that uh, he wouldn't have called behavioristic, but it it became sort of behavioristic as it developed. And and I think it was supplanted by better work by people like Lewis and Fodor and Putnam. Took some of his ideas and developed them in a more interesting way. I think you're right. I mean, Wittgenstein was one of the great—he initiated— 
the turn away from inner life. You know, there's not this stuff in us. It's all out there. And you're right, it leads to behaviorism. I think that's ugly. But you know, you, know, you say that's the not so good. What do you think is the really ugly stuff in Wittgenstein? Well, I, I think his, his, his idea that f- philosophers don't build theories was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, the only philosopher I remember saying anything kind about is Frege. He, he, he you know, it's kind of manipulated Russell and, and Moore. And then there was this kind of cult of personality that built up around him. When I was an undergraduate, I read Malcolm's memoir, and I thought, oh, Wittgenstein, he's great. He's one of these philosophical heroes, kind of like Clint Eastwood. He cuts through everything and takes us to deeper depths. But by the time I was writing my dissertation, I thought, what a jerk. Well, yeah, yeah. well, you might. Uh, to learn more about Wittgenstein, the person, a roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, files this report. Ludwig Wittgenstein was a genius, and like a lot of geniuses, he was also really weird. Calling him an eccentric is, <laughs> in a way, far too mild for what Wittgenstein was, but also doesn't quite capture his genius. David Edmonds is co-author with John Idenau of the book Wittgenstein's Poker. One can't understand the bewitchment of Wittgenstein's philosophy and his reputation without also recognizing that there was something extraordinary about his personality and the sheer power of his presence. He was relatively short, he's five foot six, he's got dark hair, he's got piercing blue eyes, he's a bundle of nervous energy, he's extremely charismatic, he has a great deal of presence, uh, he walks fast, he talks fast, he is intolerant, capable of a great intolerance, so that many people tiptoed around him because if they said something stupid, he could pounce on them. And uh, some of them found it very difficult to recover uh, from uh, Wittgenstein's, what some would say, bullying approach. Edmund's book is subtitled, The Story of a Ten-Minute Argument Between Two Great Philosophers. It was a cold night in Cambridge, England, on October the 25th, 1946, and Karl Popper, the uh, Viennese-born philosopher, was newly arrived in England from New Zealand, where he'd spent the war years, and he was invited up to the Cambridge Moral Science Club, which is the philosophy society at Cambridge University, and he was asked to deliver a paper, and he was asked to bring up a philosophical puzzle. Popper decided to lecture on the subject, are there philosophical problems? During the talk, Wittgenstein, the club's president, started interrupting, demanding an example of a philosophical problem. Nothing Popper came up with could satisfy him. And eventually, Wittgenstein was getting so agitated that he bent down and he picked up the fireside poker, and he was gesticulating with it wildly. And he demanded of Popper an example of a moral principle whereupon Popper said, thou should not threaten a visiting lecturer with a poker. Wittgenstein wrote his first book, The Tractatus Logico-Philosophicus, in the trenches during World War I. And once he's published the Tractatus, he believes he solved all the problems of philosophy. And as he solved all the problems of philosophy, there's not much point doing any more philosophy. Wittgenstein spent time working as a gardener, a primary school teacher, and an architect. And eventually, he decides that actually he hasn't solved all the problems of philosophy, and it's time to go back to the discipline. 
Wittgenstein spent the rest of his life writing, but didn't finish anything. If you go to a library now, or if you go to a bookshop now, you will see whole shelves of books written by Wittgenstein. He scribbled uh, all through his life, and these books have been assembled posthumously. Wittgenstein died in 1951. His most famous work, Philosophical Investigations, was published two years later. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.